The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up with a little bit less than a week before the first round of the NFL Draft, we're going to talk about what the birds might be looking at here in the next few minutes and also get some of the storylines around the NFL as we head into the draft. What big-name players could move in the next few days or on draft night? As we know, the Eagles uh, made a big trade last year. Who will do the same thing this year? We'll get some interesting names that are floating out there and uh, get some thoughts on what some of the teams inside the division might be doing with the NFL draft. And we're going to have a guest on to talk about that here in just a second. But I do want to remind you all to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for all of the latest draft news, rumors, everything else going on with the Eagles. And, and we will, of course, take you through the first round of the draft. I will be on our draft night coverage, uh, live coverage, as as the Eagles get ready to make their 10th pick. And of course, I highly doubt they're going to pick number 10. Uh, we'll see if they trade up or they trade back. But uh, BGN Radio, our YouTube page, uh, we will have live coverage of what the Eagles do in the NFL draft, the first round of the NFL draft uh, next Thursday night. So make sure you stick around for that. Head on over to the Bleeding Green Nation BGN Radio YouTube channel and you can uh, get yourself, make sure you're, you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. That way you know when it's coming. So we look forward to doing that. Joining me to talk about what the NFL landscape looks like right now less than a week before the draft and we'll get some thoughts on Jalen Hurts's contract as well JP Acosta NFL writer for SB Nation you can follow him on Twitter at Acosta 32 underscore JP JP welcome to Eye on the Enemy buddy how are you I'm doing great man I'm doing great this is exciting normally I'm I'm really excited to be on a podcast for the first time. So this is pretty fun. I'm excited to talk ball. Well, I I promise that this is one of the one of the gentler podcasts you'll ever go on. One of the nicer podcasts. You'll, you don't even need to go on any other podcast, JP. You could just stick on this stick on this one if you want to. So I'm perfect. Down for that. No, we'll get y'all we'll get y'all over the place after this one for sure. I I, I do want to start off with the big news here in Philadelphia, which is the Hertz contract. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the the, the deal, uh, the details that have come out about it. it. Looks like it's pretty cap friendly for the first four years, and then you want to close your eyes after that. But it probably won't even you know matter at that point because who knows what kind of an existence we'll be living in anyway by the time twenty seven rolls around. So, your thoughts on Jalen Hurts's monster deal? So first off, it's just great for him, great for a guy Jalen Hurts who came into this league as a backup. He was the backup quarterback. He wasn't expected to start right away. 
comes in and he consistently works. And you get to the point where you're watching him go up against Patrick Mahomes and you're like, man, this kid has the chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So the Eagles are betting on that playoff run this season, not just being a blip. That's being on Jalen Hurts being a guy you win because of, not because not winning with, you know. And financially, like money-wise, I think it's a really interesting deal. There's a lot of guaranteed money, of course, with all these quarterback contracts. It's $179 million fully guaranteed. Um, of course, I think this is another – we're not going to see anything over $200 million, but getting him at 179 is going to put him extremely close. And like you said, it's very backloaded in terms of salary cap impact. It's a whole lot of money towards the back end, which allows the Eagles to continue to – pay for guys in the short term, you know, if Jason Kelsey decides to continue playing for one more year, he can, you can keep adding on years to that deal. If Lane Johnson continues to play, you can add on to those deals. You can continue to have guys in that nucleus around Jalen Hurts to help him succeed as well. And I think Philly's done a really good job of understanding that it takes more than just having a quarterback who's really special athletically to succeed. You need playmakers, you need play calling, and you need protection. And Philly looks like they have that going for them in the long run. Yeah, there are different ways to build a team, and having that stud quarterback is the most important part of it. But as we saw with the Chiefs in this last Super Bowl, you can have that stud quarterback making all that money, and you have to get more creative filling in the gaps around him. you got to get more out of your draft picks in their rookie seasons and in their second years, and I think that's going to be the challenge for Howie Roseman. I don't think it's as big a challenge as we all feared it would be. It certainly sounds like the salary cap is going to continue to go up. So as a percentage of the salary cap, th- there may not be a, a huge impact with, with this deal. And that's the thing I think fans have to remember that this, this salary cap is going to continue jumping. Like it looks like I think the projections I saw on over the cap are like 12% a year, which is, which is staggering. Yeah. It's going to, the NFL is extremely, an extremely rich entity. The salary cap is going to continue to go up year by year. I think this year is the highest it's ever been. And that's just going off of a year to year jump next year could climb even higher. The next year it's going to, it's going to keep increasing. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the money that Jalen Hurts is owed, you also have to take into a, into an account that the salary cap is going to continue to go up. So that number, that salary cap hit, that percentage of the cap that's going to Hertz is going to keep getting smaller because the cap's going to get higher. What is your sense that turning to the turning to the draft? And I, I guess this affects, you know, the Jalen Hurts contract is a part of this. Do you think the Hertz contract I can't imagine it would, but what do you think it does with their draft day philosophy at all, especially in the first round? Does does it does it impact the the draft day philosophy having gotten this done ahead of time? I don't think it does. I think the Eagles going in, they're they're a pretty smart franchise when it comes to knowing what they're going to do on draft day. I think they already had the plan of, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be around. We're going to have the quarterback around. Now we just need to surround him with talent. We need to surround that defense with talent. So I think going in, they were already had had in mind they were going to go defensive player, maybe help give him some more help on the offensive line perhaps, but helping out that defense was probably going to be priority one because those guys on the defensive side of the ball aren't getting any younger and Javon Hargrave just left her free agency. That's another big hit to that defensive line. Looking at the Eagles picket at number 10 here, what is your thought on whether or not they keep that pick or they do something with it? I, I just find it hard to believe 
they're just going to sit there at 10 and take a guy. That's just not something they normally do. So my general thought on that is it depends on how the quarterbacks shake up. If this is a draft where the quarterback run starts real early, like if the rumors are true that a guy like Will Levis could either fall out of the top 10 in total or go as high as number two, I think you see another team possibly like you see a team like Tennessee who might want to get a quarterback and restart their franchise. You you look at them and be like, hey, you might want to try and trade up into the top 10 because this guy might not be here. You look at a team possibly like Minnesota who could be looking to find their future at quarterback post-Kirk Cousins. You, you could potentially have those teams trading up to get a quarterback. So I think the Eagles' plans when it comes to trading – it's kind of dependent on where we think the quarterbacks fall. But I I think there is an avenue where they kind of just stand pat and take arguably the best player available at 10. So as far as as far as picking at number 10 here, do you think that it sounds like you think there's more of a chance that they move back rather than they move up? What percent can you give me like a percentage like on what on what are the percentage chances you think that they would move up in the draft? And I think the really the only guy that I can think of that makes sense for them to do that is if Jalen Carter is still sitting there at like eight or nine. So I think if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say like 20, 25 percent, maybe unless, like you said, a guy like Jalen Carter or possibly Tyree Wilson is falling down the draft board. That's the only chances. That's the only reason why I think they would trade up. I think the offensive linemen are going to be there by that point. I think unless they really, really want either of the top two corners in Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez, they might trade up for them. But you'll you'll have your chance to pick one of those guys at 10, maybe. Okay, so let's talk about if they move back a few spots. Let's say they move back into the teens at that point. A lot of people are mocking Bijan Robinson to the Eagles, even at number 10, which I think defies logic based on Howie Roseman's history. Now, he's taken Miles Sanders in the second round, so we know that he's willing to invest a second round pick. So I think it's reasonable to assume that maybe at 30, they would take a running back if somebody is sitting there. But what if they do trade back to, say, like number 15, 16, 14 even? And let's say that Bijan Robinson is still sitting there. Do you think that's far back enough for them to maybe say, well, maybe we'll pull the trigger on this? <laughs> it's it's interesting with Bijan Robinson because he's such a special talent at the running back position, but the Eagles have not drafted a first round running back in ages. It's been it's probably been double how how old I currently am, and I'm 22. They, yeah, it's they been a while. They haven't drafted a running back in a while. So even if they dra- trade back into the teens, I don't think Bijan will be the pick there. I think a guy like Nolan Smith from Georgia at the ed- on the edge would probably be a pick there. I think you think about a guy maybe like Deontay Banks, corner from Maryland. You think about guys like Miles Murphy or Lucas Van Ness, other edge prospects. I think those would be more likely of a pick when you get into the teens area. Now, like you said, later on in the first round, especially at that pick at 30, you begin to consider it. But that's another spot where maybe the Eagles just trade out of the – first round with that second pick and then they draft a running back in the second round or third round last eagle to get last running back to get picked in the first round by the eagles 1986 keith byers at number 10 overall 
FYI. So, you know, it's not unheard of. It's, it's, it's happened as recently as 1986. So there you go. Um, what are some of the other teams you're watching here in round one? I mean, obviously the teams at the very top will be, will be interesting, but what are some of the, what are some of the top storylines with some of these other teams entering round one of the draft next week? So in terms of teams, I'm very curious in what the Atlanta Falcons do at eight. They've kind of addressed every need. They kind of dink and dunked everywhere where it's like, oh, we'll add this guy. We'll add a Caden Ellis at the, on the edge. We'll add a guy like Bud Dupree who can be good rotational players on the edge. They still might need another go-getter as a pass rusher, another edge guy, Tyree Wilson. If Again, if he falls to eight, maybe. I think this has also been highly mocked as a Bijan destination. And I could see it with Atlanta, but I don't know if they would do it. I also think one of the tackles, Peter Skaronsky, might be a guy they have interest in at eight, plug him in at guard. And then when Jake Matthews is done playing, or if you want to get out of Jake Matthews' contract, you can slide Skaronsky out to left tackle. Where they go with that pick is going to be very interesting, especially if the quarterbacks start to slide. If you see a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis slide to eight and you think, hey, maybe we're not as sold on Desmond Ritter as we think we are, you can go ahead and restart your franchise timeline with a quarterback. Another team that I'm really interested in seeing what happens with them is the Green Bay Packers. I think they have a lot going on when it comes to a certain uh, quarterback that's in that franchise, depending on what happens when they trade him, if they trade him, the capital that they use, the what they do with that first round pick will tell you where they plan to take this team destination wise. If they draft another skilled player in the first round, that could be like, hey, we want to surround Jordan Love with as much as possible to help him succeed. If they end up trading Rodgers to the Jets and they end up somehow getting that second first round pick, if they get 13 from New York, you could see them probably draft a tackle to help out with the offensive line. The, the whole objective is to surround Jordan Love with as much talent as possible and then help him succeed in this new Packer era minus Aaron Rodgers for now. So I'm really interested to see where they go in terms of what they do at the, at the pick they have. Overall, I, I'm very curious to see where the wide receivers fall. Mm. I think a lot of scouts a lot of people have said hey this receiver class isn't going to go as high as you think they are with the run probably maybe starting in the mid-teens maybe starting in the late teens I think Boston I think Boston College Zay Flowers has been connected to the Patriots for a long time they loved them at the Shrine Bowl they were talking to him exclusively at the Shrine Bowl but where the receivers go who goes first off the board I think the I think the Quentin Johnston hype has kind of simmered now to where he's probably going to go more in the late teens. Jackson Smith and Jigba has been a very interesting case in terms of how you evaluate him as a receiver. It's going to be very interesting to see how the receivers shake out and where they fall in the first round of the draft. Last question for you. Uh, we, we know that draft night is about the players drafted from college football, but as we saw last year, the Eagles made one of the most drastic improvements by any team in the league by trading one of their first-round picks for A.J. Brown. And we will undoubtedly see veteran players get traded. We might see the Aaron Rodgers trade happen on draft night. Who knows? But are there any guys you're looking at who could move on draft night? Uh, 
you know, Buda Baker is a guy who wants to be traded. Eagles fans obviously salivating over him. It would have to be something similar to what happened with AJ Brown last year, where they renegotiate his deal and agree on an extension before something like that happens. Are there any players like Buda Baker, anybody else that you're thinking there's a chance this guy could move either the day before or on draft night? I will stay with Buda Baker's teammate. I think DeAndre Hopkins could also be on the move on draft night. I think the Cardinals really are in fire sale mode. I think they are tearing this thing down to the studs. Good luck, Jonathan Gannon. Hey, good luck. You signed up for this one. But I think they're I think they're in the process of rebuilding. And in that, they want to try and get as many draft picks as possible to build this thing back up. How Jonathan Gannon and how the new GM want to build it. So trading away Buda Baker might be a way to recoup some draft capital. Trade DeAndre Hopkins is going to get you off that contract. I ultimately think both of them might be traded on draft day. I think Buda Baker might be more likely to be like a day one. We'll trade you a day two or a late day one draft pick for Buda Baker. DeAndre Hopkins might. It's interesting because Brandon Cooks went for a fifth and a sixth, I believe. Hopkins might go for a fourth. I would think. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what the market is for Hopkins. But ultimately, I think both of those guys end up off of the Cardinals by the end of the draft. Well, it's one of the most fun nights of the NFL season because there's a there's a lot going on between teams rebuilding from the college ranks and these trades that we're talking about. So uh, lots of speculation. Still time for lots of mock drafts out there. So get your fill over the next week or so, kids. And make sure you're reading everything that J.P. Acosta is doing for us over at the SB Nation Mothership. Follow him on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP. JP, thanks so much for coming on Hit and Season. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll step away. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to get into this Derrick Henry rumor that's been going around here over the last uh, couple of days here this weekend and uh, some other Eagles news that came down over the last couple of days. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Eye on the Enemy. So an interesting rumor came down the pike here over the weekend that the Eagles could be in discussions with the Tennessee Titans to trade for their running back, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry can play, man. Derrick Henry is a baller. Now, he didn't have a very good game against the Eagles when they uh, met up earlier this year, but uh, the man ran for 1,538 yards this year on the ground, a league-most 349 carries, but he did average just 96.1 yards per game. Uh, That is the lowest uh, he has had uh, in the last uh, four years. Uh, Last year, it was 117.1 per game. Uh, That was only in eight games, however. He missed half the season. Uh, The season before that, 
that, he uh, actually the two seasons before that, he led the league in yards per game at 126.7 and 102.7. So uh, Derrick Henry's yards per game averaged down just a little bit, but his yard per, and his yards per average uh, was uh, up just a little bit from 2021, but down from 2019 and 2020 when he rushed for over five yards per carry. Last year it was 4.4 yards per carry. But listen, guy's a great player. We all know that. He's 28 years old, though. He's going to be 29 in 2023. But the the source of this rumor is Akbar Bajamila, host of Ninja Ninja Warrior. And he's also a former NFL defensive end. He's uh, said that uh, the Eagles and Titans are working their way to completing a deal with Derrick Henry. Now, Akbar, not exactly an Adam Schefter out there, but... um, he is a former NFL reporter, and he also is represented by the same agency that represents Derrick Henry, Creative Artists Agency. So that could explain why he is saying these things, why he's coming up with these different kinds of things. But, you know, I, I, I just don't see it. I, I, don't, I don't see this as being... Here's, here's why I don't think the Eagles would do this. They have... Jeff Lurie... I mean, I know the Eagles run the ball a lot, right? And they are... I guess you would call them a run-first team, but a lot of that is with the RPO game. A lot of that is with Jalen Hurts tucking and running. Um, he does give the ball off a bit to to his running backs. It d- depends on the game, but they don't call a ton of designed runs to the running back. And maybe at this point in his career, Derrick Henry realizes, I don't want to carry the ball 25 times a game, 30 times a game. I don't have those that kind of tread on my tires anymore, and maybe he's looking to come someplace where he wouldn't be used quite as much. But that's not usually how this works. These if these guys want, you know, contracts and, you know, they want to they want to continue to make big money, they got to keep putting up big numbers. And I just don't think a running back is going to put up big numbers in this offense. We saw Miles Sanders ran for over 1000 yards this this past season, but it was kind of a quiet thousand yards, and he didn't exactly break the bank uh, when he was um, when he was in free agency right now. So I, I get it that the Eagles seem to be a running back short right now. This offense is prolific. They've got AJ Brown, they've got Devontae Smith. Um, they just had another wide receiver this week who we're going to talk about in just a second. They have Dallas Goddard. Uh, of course, you know they got Rashad Penny and Kenny Gainwell, who came on at the end of last year. But they are probably still a little weak at the running back spot. And adding a guy like Derrick Henry, who's a three-time Pro Bowler, led the league in rushing in 2019 and 2020, would be, it, it on paper, it would be a huge boon. Uh, he's in the last year of his contract. It would be a $16 million cap hit this year. So my guess is they would need to try and find a way to restructure his, his contract a little bit. But I just, this is a... This is a team that has a, di- a number of different holes, and they're not a team that spends big money on running backs. And the fact that they've got to get the ball to Brown and Smith and Goddard and Jalen Hurts is going to tuck and run some. I mean, they didn't. You heard Howie Roseman say this week they didn't sign him to this extension to have him do less. Now, do they want him taking a pounding, running the football ten times a game, twelve times a game, every game? Probably not, but this is not a team that just feeds the running back. That not that it's never been a a, a bell cow type offense, and I don't think that's the kind of offense Jeffrey Lurie wants to run. I think Jeffrey Lurie understands what he has in in Jalen Hurts and how it's beneficial to run the ball quite a bit behind this offensive line. And certainly, if if Derrick Henry, you can work if you can figure out a way to work him into this offense, certainly makes a whole lot of sense. But 
I, I, why not just take a running back, you know, in, in late in the first round or the second round and, and start him with that trio? They just, they have other needs on defense too. There are other needs around this roster, these different holes that need to be filled that are more important than getting a 25 carry a game running back who's not going to get that kind of workload. May, and, and maybe that's good. Maybe maybe Derek Smith comes aboard, and if he's getting 20 carries a game, 15 to 20 carries a game, and he's still rushing for over 100 yards, that's that's what you need. And that could take a lot of the pressure off of Jalen Hurts. So so there are some there are some reasons why this does make sense because I do think the Eagles are a running back short, but you need help at safety still. And I would much rather spend that money on a guy like Buda Baker than I would on Derek Henry. Um, I know Dalvin Cook's name has been in the wind as well. Um, you know, that again, that's another name that makes some sense on paper, but I just, this team does not seem like a team that is a go sign a bell cow veteran running back at a big cap number type team. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's realistic. So I, I mean, Baja Biamila might have some inside information on this. We'll, we'll wait and see, but this doesn't make it, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as far as a fit for the Eagles. I don't I don't see it. I think it's more likely they get a running back in the second round or the third round and try to fill that gap there and spend what cap money they have left to try and fill some holes on the defense. Again, I think Buda Baker makes way more sense. I would rather see them go out and get a linebacker with that money. I don't think that's going to happen either, but that's where I would rather see them spend that money. And and the idea that you get Derrick Henry in here and now all of a sudden your offense is unstoppable. Well, again, I think you I think you run into a fit issue. This team does want to throw the football. Derrick Henry is not a prolific pass receiver out of the backfield. That's that's not going to be a part of his game this year. I mean, last year he did haul in a career high 33 balls for 398 yards, but that's not a ton of production. So I think if you if you're looking for a guy that fits what the Eagles want to do, it's going to be a guy that can give you a little bit more out of the backfield as a, as a receiver. So again, I don't see Derrick Henry as a fit here with the Eagles. I, I get I get where everybody's going with this, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I do not think that's going to happen. I did mention before the Eagles signed another wide receiver this week, Olamati Zacchaeus, a South Jersey native and St. Joe's prep graduate. Uh, he's a he's a, a shorter guy, stands five foot eight. He's one hundred ninety five pounds. Was slot receiver for the Atlanta Falcons the last few years. Made the team as an undrafted rookie out of Virginia back in twenty nineteen. Uh, he has spent the last four years with the Falcons. He's played in fifty five games, made twenty three starts, and hauled in ninety four passes for thirteen hundred twenty eight yards and eight touchdowns in his four year career. Last year, got his most playing time ever. A career-high 737 snaps. He was on the field for 70% of the Falcons' offensive snaps, which allowed him to uh, to amass career highs in catches with 40 for 533 yards and three touchdowns. Those numbers were second best among Falcons receivers last year. So the obvious question is, does this mean that Quez Watkins' days as the team's slot receiver are numbered? I think it does. I think they signed Olamati with the idea that he would become the new slot receiver, a guy who can really take a hit in the middle of the field. I was impressed watching some of the highlights and some of the tough catches that he made. Uh, he, he's not a big guy, but he holds on to the ball in the middle of the field. And he, I, there were a couple of throws where he got crunched in the middle and, and really held on and, and kind of a tough, a tough kid in the middle of the field like that. So uh, I think the Eagles need somebody like that who can 
along with Dallas Goddard, expose uh, expose some defenses inside the in between the numbers, and you know find those soft spots in the zones, and and especially inside the the goal line, inside the the red zone, uh, wiggle free and, and and find some space. And with Quez Watkins having a down year last year, and Watkins is the first to admit that he did not play well last year. Quez has that speed. He he's that burner guy, and you could you could keep him on the roster as your number four wide receiver that deep shot guy that when you want to stretch the field and you want to go four wide and uh, have him, you know, take a defender with him into the, you know, the deepest part of the field, then you could do that. You'd still have Quez to do that. But I think we've all been talking about the need to upgrade at the number three wide receiver position. This seems like an effort to do that. And I do think it is trouble for Quez Watkins. I don't think he's going to be getting nearly the number of snaps that he got last year. Olamati, if he makes the team, and I think he will, they signed him, he's got an established track record. Uh, he can he can play. You know, this is this is not somebody who, you know, hasn't done anything in the league. He's not a star, but he's a role player, and he's a guy who I think the fact that, you know, Jones, I mean, uh, A.J. Brown and, uh, and Devontae Smith, and I don't know who I was talking about with Jones, but <laughs> Dallas Goddard, you know, those guys are going to get the majority of the targets anyway. You know, this would be a good guy that you hope would get four, five, six targets a game and do a little bit more with them than they did with Quez Watkins. Because so many times last year, the Eagles really just seemed to be forcing the ball to Quez way too often. And in that Dallas game uh, against the Cowboys on the road in which they lost, I think a lot of those, couple of those picks that Gardner Minshew threw were as much on Quez Watkins as anybody else. Of course, we remember the play in the Super Bowl where Quez had that, had that, I mean, maybe it was, it might've been Jalen Hurts' best throw of the night. And Quez stopped running his route, slowed down, and wasn't able to catch that long pass in the third quarter, a, a drive that ultimately ended in a field goal. Whereas if he catches that ball and is down at, say, like the 10, 11, 12-yard line, they're in much better position to score a touchdown on that drive. And the um, the entire game is different from, from that point on. So uh, I think this is uh, something to watch, whether or not Olamati is the new number three over Quez Watkins. I think that is what that means. Uh, Jordan Mailata earned a contract extension, or a a renegotiation, I guess we should say. So last year, he got the four-year, $64 million extension just before the start of the 2021 season, so a little bit more than a year ago. Um, His cap number for 2024, this is really looking more towards next year, was expected to be a little over $21 million, and as a result of the restructuring of the Jordan Mailata extension, uh, that number now drops to $13.4 million. And the reason why that's important is that they got to find money for Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson, who are going to be looking at contract extensions at that point as well. It's also going to be the second year of A.J. Brown's contract extension, which will cost $12.4 million against the cap. It's also going to be the first year of Jalen Hurts' five-year extension, which carries a cap hit of $13.5 million. So lots of different reasons why the Eagles decided to renegotiate Jordan Mailata's contract extension. Uh, and the Eagles did make a coaching addition this week. Matt Patricia, the man victimized by the Philly Special, and Nick Foles in Super Bowl 52 will now be a part of this uh, new defensive coach's regime. Sean Desai bringing aboard Matt Patricia as a senior defensive assistant because if you can't live, you, you just, you, you've got, when you have the opportunity to have Matt Patricia on your team, don't you just have to? Uh, listen, I, I don't, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of coaching and what he brings to the table to say whether or not this is a, a good hire. I don't know what they're going to have him do necessarily, but it is interesting that they brought him on board given the history that Darius Slay 
has with him. Slay had big problems with Patricia when Patricia was the head coach in Detroit right before Slay uh, came to Philadelphia. He said he found Patricia to be disrespectful in a number of different in a number of different ways during the 2020 season. So uh, Nick Sirianni said that he's talked to Darius Slay about it, I guess smoothed it over. Maybe these two guys have had a conversation to clear the air, whatever it is. Um, Matt Patricia is not the big man on campus anymore. So a little bit of humble pie maybe is, is what we'll see there because Darius Slay isn't going anywhere. And of the two guys whose position is more secure, it's Darius Slay. So we'll see if Matt Patricia brings anything to the table. I, I've never been overly impressed with, with anything about him, but maybe he, maybe he could bring some new ideas and maybe it'll be a, a guy that Sean Desai can, can go to. It just seems like a, it seems like a lot of squeeze for, not, for just a little bit of juice, but you know we'll see how it turns out. And then the last thing I want to end on is Jonathan Gannon making me mad again. Uh, just this is the most wholly unimpressive coach NFL coach that I can remember in quite some time. And for the, you know, I know many of you listening feel the same way. None of us can understand. None of us can understand why he was sought after as a head coach, let alone how somebody saw fit to hire him as a head coach of a football team. I mean, that's just looking like a train wreck in Arizona. And I think, you know, JP said it just a minute ago. That's a team that's getting ready to get rid of a bunch of good players. It's going to be ugly in Arizona. And I, I think I think this is a guy with pretty thin skin who's pretty soft. And he had this to say at a news conference this week about dealing with the Philadelphia media. And you'll want to get the hankies up for this one because it's a tearjerker. Um, but I'm, I'm very comfortable talking to the media. Philly is a very hard media market. Uh, we were 9-0 and and I did my presser and they say, coach, we want you fired. And I said, well, we're the no- I said, we're the number one defense in the NFL right now in every statistical category. Why do you want me fired? You don't blitz enough. I said, well, we lead the league in sacks by 30-plus sacks. So if you want to come call the defense, and you can have at it. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. They have a job to do, and, the, and I understand that. Uh, but I- Yeah, so uh, Jimmy Kemsky laid this out in the Philly voice, and I think it's a great tongue-in-cheek analysis of – this ridiculous man claiming that the Philadelphia media, uh, the people in the in the news conferences anyway, the, the the guys covering the team were calling for him to be fired. First of all, you know, as as many people have noted, they didn't go nine and zero; they went eight and one, and and there were no reporters in the room calling for him to be fired. There may be some podcasters like me. I don't I don't believe I was calling for him to be fired at that point. When your team is eight and zero, nine and one, I don't think it's really. You look stupid calling for anybody to be fired. Now, there's certainly some in the fan base. I'm sure some of you listening may have been calling for him to be to be fired. But also taking credit for all the sacks your defensive line got. You weren't doing stunts. You weren't designing anything to get those guys in a position to make sacks. Those guys were just eating. And Howie Roseman put together a stud defensive line for you. And all you had to do was say, go. And your whole defense was reliant on these four guys in this rotation you know, these, these edge rushers, so I guess it was more like eight guys, all these guys on this in this rotation on the defensive line to go out and get to the quarterback without you having to do anything. You just have all your other guys play back and do not. I, I'm sorry. No respect for what Jonathan Gannon did as a defensive coordinator. And no one in the press room was calling for him to be fired. Some talk radio hosts, sure. But that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. But even even if it was, deal with it. Some people can't handle Philly. I think we saw Jonathan Gannon can't handle Philadelphia. And when they come into Philadelphia this year, it's going to be a scene. When they introduce this guy, 
you're going to hear the loudest. He, he's going to get booed the loudest because he, he cost them a Super Bowl. The, he cost the Eagles the Super Bowl. I will believe this until I die. He 100% cost this team the Super Bowl. And now he's going to go to Arizona and he's going to complain that he was mistreated, that he was treated unfairly by the Philadelphia media who said that they wanted him fired when his defense was doing so great. Sorry, that's not at all what happened. And he knows it. He knows it. But this tells you what a fraud this guy is. You know, he's leaning into the whole Philadelphia media is so brutal and it's so hard and so tough. Thank goodness I'm here in Arizona where nobody's going to care. That's what he's essentially saying. You know, it's like, I'm so glad I'm out of Philadelphia where people care about their team. Oh, this is awful. You know, come on. And so you just, Jonathan Gannon is going to say stuff that just makes me mad. I just, I get mad looking at him. <laughs> and I'm not a guy who gets mad. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that guy, but... Uh, yeah, so, something about him and something about the the way he the way he carries himself and the stuff that he said this week just oh man it brings back it brings back all of the angry screams in my brain again and I don't I I thought I had been done with that but um, I'm I'm sure that uh, it probably uh, caught a lot of you guys the same way hearing those comments this week so glad I could bring that to you hope uh, hope you enjoyed your <laughs> hope you enjoyed this part of the podcast specifically all right. Folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to J.P. Acosta for coming on the show, and we're going to have him back again in the future as well. He was great. Uh, Don't forget, folks, BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day, and check out all of our other podcasts here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And again, I will be on the NFL Draft special that we're going to have on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. We'll give you live analysis of the first round of the draft starting not right at the very, very beginning, but as the Eagles get closer to making their pick, uh, we were, we will all hop on and uh, give you our analysis of what's going down on draft night. So again, make sure to make sure to subscribe to the uh, Bleeding Green Nation YouTube page so that you can be notified exactly when we are up and running. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. G and